We are starting an exciting new series today called Power Up, and it is about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you, I don't care what, what denomination or what tribe you grew up in, if you have ever wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit and about the gifts for the next four weeks, we are not just going to say this is what a tradition teaches, but we're going to look at the Bible and therefore, we're going to have a lot of scriptures in this series, and we're going to say, what does the Bible teach us about the Holy Spirit and the gifts? But I want to ask you a question today first, before we start. How long have we had load shedding? Who knows? Online people, if you know, type it into the comments. Who knows how long load shedding has been running? Who says five years? Who says ten years? Fifteen who says longer than 15? Anyone longer than 15? Like one. Guys, so I had to go and Google load shedding because to me it feels like it's been an issue that we've been dealing with for about five years. And then I'm like, no, no, but this was an issue that we had at our previous church as well. So I'm like, then it must have been 10 years. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. But when I was a youth pastor... We also dealt with that issue. I'm like, so it must have been longer. Then I'm like, I remember at university when I was still studying, they installed generators at the university because we had load shedding. So load shedding officially started late 2007. Guys, it has been so long that having blackouts that happen at certain times of the day feels like the norm. I think when we've got periods that we don't have load shedding, it almost feels a little weird, right? Like, why is the power always on? And if you have something like load shedding long enough, it starts feeling normal to us. And when we start talking today about the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about, is this still a real thing? Is it something that we're just experiencing every now and again, like load shedding, where sometimes it's there, sometimes it's missing? Is it, sometimes, is it something that needs to be constantly on, like the way electricity is supposed to be going? But what is the deal with the gifts of the Spirit? Is it supposed to always be on or only certain times? And I want to read something to you before I tell you what today's topic is, okay? And that is from John 14, verse 12. It says this, Jesus is speaking to the people and he's saying, very truly I tell you, so I'm not joking around. I want you to understand this really well. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, if you follow us on social media, you would have seen that Thursday was no ordinary Thursday, this past Thursday. It was a special Thursday. It is Ascension Day. It is the day that we remember that Jesus died on, on Good Friday. He was resurrected on the Sunday. For 40 days, he appeared to people to make sure that no one could argue that Jesus is actually still dead. And then Jesus is not on earth anymore because Jesus is not just human. He was fully human and fully God. He ascended to heaven and he's sitting on the throne of heaven, ruling with his father. But just before 
Jesus ascends, he tells his disciples, because I am going, if you believe in me, if you believe in the Son of God, you will do greater things than me. Now, guys, this is not me saying this. This is the Bible saying this. I didn't grow up in a charismatic um, denomination. I grew up in Gekerk. There's not a lot of stuff that happens there. But what I want you to know is this. What did Jesus do when he was on earth? He drove out demons. The lame could walk. The sick was healed. The blind could see. Jesus did things that I cannot even imagine how it's possible, like walking on water. And Jesus told the disciples, if you've got faith like a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move and it will throw itself in the ocean. If you're like, Louis, that blows my mind. It blows my mind even more when Jesus tells me, Louis, you can do the same things that I did when I was on earth and greater. I'm like, Jesus, you must be joking. That can't be possible. But that's what Jesus said. If we believe in him, we will do what he did and more because he's ascending. And three days after Ascension Day, that's where we are today, I want to ask you, is this a reality in your life? Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out, and that's why we're starting the series. And I'm like, when I, when I hear what Jesus is saying, I'm like, I think we're in really bad load shedding, like stage six. Because every now and then I see a little bit of a flickering of the power of the Holy Spirit. But most of the time it feels to me like we're not powering up. We're in a blackout. And therefore today, our topic, the first topic in the series, Power Up, is, is the power still on? Is the Holy Spirit still working? Is the gift still for His church? What is the deal with it? Now, in order to know if the power is still on, in order to know what we should look at when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, I think we need to read two scriptures today first to help us understand what it looks like when the power is on, when the Holy Spirit is flowing, when He is working through His church. So we're going to read two scriptures, and again, this is not what some random pastor or prophet or shepherd, whatever names they give themselves, said. This is Jesus that spoke Himself. Okay, so Mark 16, verse 17 to 20 is the first one that we're going to be reading. Jesus, at the end of Mark, this is what he says. These signs will accompany those who believe. Not the super holy, not the perfect, not bishops or popes, those who believe. Jesus says, in my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God and hear this. Then the disciples went out, they preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed His words by the signs that accompanied it. Jesus didn't just say, my Holy Spirit will work through you and amazing things will happen. There's an extra line that says that God worked through His church. His Spirit worked through the church. They were powered up. And He confirmed what His word said through what He was doing through His church. 
Another one. So this is Mark. Mark is one of the Gospels, one account of the life of Jesus. We've got another account of the life of Jesus, and that is from a man named Luke who wrote it down. He was very precise. He got a lot of detail down. And then he ends his Gospel, the story of Jesus, after his resurrection. But then Luke wrote a second book. Who knows what that book is called in the New Testament? Acts. The book of Acts. It's the the New Testament church history. And he starts the history of the New Testament church with Jesus, before Jesus ascends to heaven. So Acts 1 verse 45, and then I'm going to skip to verse 8. This is what Jesus tells them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they ask Jesus a bunch of questions, and then Jesus says this, But you will receive power, power up, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Next Sunday, we celebrate the day that they waited on, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And amazing things started happening through ordinary men that often, even though they spent time with Jesus, didn't get everything right. Jesus sometimes had to tell Peter, get away from me, Satan. Peter denied him three times. Thomas said, I will not believe Jesus is alive, even though he told me he will be alive after three days, unless I can put my hands, my fingers in the holes in his hands. Ordinary men that didn't have it all together, after this, amazing things start happening. They walk out of that room, they start speaking in tongues. Not just random blabbering. If you go and read in Acts, they start speaking other languages of all the people in the surrounding areas. They start preaching in other languages. People that would have never understood Greek or Hebrew start understanding them. They start following Jesus. Peter gets the gift of preaching so strong that with one sermon, 3,000 people give their life to God and is baptized. Because how do you baptize 3,000 people at once? You put on a sprayer and you just like run. I don't even know. But this is amazing. We read that they lame people started walking. They carried people, we read this in Acts, outside and put them in the streets so that Peter's shadow could fall on them and they were healed. This is intense stuff. This is when you receive the Spirit. And by the way, we're going to talk about what kind of gifts there are. It's not just the miraculous gifts that are of the Spirit. There are numerous gifts, including preaching, including leading, including hospitality and giving. So there are many. So when we're talking about the gifts, I'm not just talking about the miraculous, but I'm talking about the Holy Spirit working through the people that received Him in a powerful way that is not normal for us in our own abilities. But the question is, who receives the Spirit then? How does it work? Because if they received the Spirit and they acted powerfully, does that mean that the, t- the church in today's world doesn't have the Spirit? What's going on? But let's hear when you, how you receive the Spirit. Acts 2, that big sermon that Peter preached in verse 38, Peter tells the people, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No magic formula. 
You say, God, I'm lost without you. I've got sin in my life. This isn't working out. I need you. I'm baptized as a sign of the decision I made. And he's like, guess what? Another free gift. Not just the grace of God that forgives you, that saves you. He gives you another gift, and that is his Holy Spirit. The moment you believe. John 7 verse 39. Jesus spoke about it as well. Jesus said, whoever believes in me. Not whoever does something special or go to a special school. If you believe in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And you might be like, Lou, but what does a river of living water have to do with anything? That's probably the joy, the renewal that Jesus brings right after this. There's a full stop and it says, the author just clarified this so that we don't get it wrong. He says, by this, Jesus meant the Holy Spirit. Jesus like, if you believe in me, you will receive the Spirit, and He will be like a river flowing out of you that carves its way through sand and through rocks and through stone, and that makes a path. So when we believe in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And that means that He should work powerfully through us. So what happened? Why are we seeing load shedding? Many theologians have argued that maybe the gifts of the Spirit was for the apostles, so the disciples that followed Jesus and then started the church, and it stopped with them. They argue that healing and speaking in tongues and prophecies, especially the miraculous ones, that it ceased in the apostolic age. And the first people that said this was John Calvin, in the Great Reformation, because they rebelled against the so-called wonders that was in the Roman Catholic Church. And we call this view, this, this teaching, cessationism. So cessationism teaches that after the apostles died, those miraculous signs also died. So could it be that that is the reason, so the Spirit is still there, but a lot of it died because it was meant only for them and not for us. Now, I had a professor in university called um, Professor Henny Stander. He was a Greek professor, and he did this amazing bunch of research. Um, he went to all the Greek literature that we have from that New Testament church time and the early church time. And what he wanted to find out is, did it stop with the apostles? So the story that we have in the book of Acts, that is their life story of how they started the church, was that the full stop? Or did it continue? And he studied, and this was actually a thesis, I think for his, his doctorate, I can't remember. And um, he published this as a book as well. And what he found was that it was commonplace not only in the New Testament church, but in the early church. It was also commonplace for the gifts of the Spirit to work powerfully. But the church fathers, Origen, 200 years after Christ, Eusebius, 300 after Christ. So these people were close enough to Jesus to still have had some form of close contact. My father, my grandfather, my great-granddad walked with Jesus. Those kind of relationships. So church fathers, both Origen and Eusebius, said that although it was there, there was a very clear decline in the gifts. 
Now, like, so does it mean it stopped with apostles and this was just like the after effect? They said, no, no. It declined due to sin in believers' lives. And they, say, they mentioned that the gifts of the Spirit continued in the lives of believers who lived holy lives. So it's like the gifts didn't stop. We read in the early church history that it continued. And guys, I believe that it is still for us, that it still continues, because in Acts 2 verse 14, Peter tells these people when they start speaking in languages and people come to faith, and they're like, what's going on? Are these people drunk? I'm like, why do you think they're drunk when they randomly start speaking a new language? Imagine I just start speaking Klausa or French fluently. Like, would you think I'm drunk? No, a drunk person doesn't speak a language fluently, Right? But he tells them these people are not drunk, they're not crazy, and he quotes a minor prophet from the Old Testament, Joel, Joel 2, where God declares that in the last days our sons and daughters will prophesy and people will have visions and there will be all these amazing, powerful things that happen. We are still in the last days, Jesus hasn't returned. So unless Joel and the prophets lied and Peter that quoted them, it means, and Jesus that said, you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe in me, unless all of that is a lie, we should still see the power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives. Okay, so this was very academic. I'm, hope you, I'm hoping you're with me. This kind of stuff makes me excited. I'm just following the line here of the Bible. The gifts were promised to the church. And since Jesus has not returned yet, we should expect that the purpose of the gifts has not been fulfilled yet. So what is the problem? And I want to use an example today, my white pipe. If I would connect this to a tap, and I would turn it, the tap open like full blast. I don't know if you can see through this, but that's a 14 mil pipe. The water would flow through this quite strong, right? Okay, most of our houses is 22 mil or 16 mil that supplies your whole house, your geyser, your washing machines, everything. This is a 14 mil. I think this would be a proper like stream of water. I can use this as a water cannon if this was connected and wake everyone up that's falling asleep. Now, let me ask you something else. If I take this piece of paper and I push this in here, what would happen with the stream of water now? It would probably still flow, but it would not be very strong, right? Even though this is paper. But if I take another piece, so let's say we lose 50% of our flow. If I take another piece of paper and I push it in here, what's going to happen now? We're going to lose even more flow. Am I right? So the more stuff we, we push in here, the more the flow of the water through this pipe will get blocked. This is not magic. Your gutters at your house work this way. The trees shed the leaves. The leaves go into the gutter. It gets clogged. And what happens when it rains? There's a small stream that comes out of your gutter and the rest just starts pouring over the side of your roof because it can't flow through your gutter. Now hear what the Bible has to tell us about why I think we're not seeing the gifts of the Spirit the way we're supposed to be seeing them. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, Paul writes to the church and he says this, five simple words in English, do not quench the Spirit. 
The Spirit is alive. The Spirit is God. And He wants to work through Christians. So if you're not a Christian, I want to say you have to bear with us because this is like a family conversation that we're having. But even if you're not a Christian, this is what Christianity is about. And this might teach you something amazing about the God we believe in. But what the Bible is teaching us, God through His Spirit is alive and He wants to work through us. He wants to flow through our lives in power, but we clog it up somehow. We quench the work of the Spirit. So what I want to do today is we cannot clean our gutters if we do not know what is clogging it. If we do not know what debris is in there and the stream of the Spirit, because if you believe in Jesus, you have the Spirit and that stream of the Holy Spirit will flow through your life. But the more debris there is in the gutter, the smaller the stream will go. So what I want to do is I'm going to look at three things that the Bible teaches us, the three main issues, main pieces of debris that clogs our gutters. What are those things? I want to read to you three texts, and we're going to talk about three points today. The first one, we read in Acts 7. So again, early church. So you're like, the gifts were in the early church, yes, but there was issues there as well. So let's read what it says, what the issue is. Acts 7, verse 51. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart, and death to the truth. So the, the Greek actually says you are uncircumcised by heart. So that counted as someone that wasn't a follower of God. You are heathen at heart, and death to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors do, and so do you. This is Stephen, a deacon, doing an amazing preach. And he's telling these people, these so-called religious leaders, that you might be circumcised and think you're a, fo a follower of God because you're a descendant of Abraham, but it's like your heart is full of unbelief. And that is the first way that we quench the working of the Spirit in our lives. We quench it by a lack of faith. You see, Stephen was... That was not just a servant. He was prophesying to them. He brought things to life in the, to light in their life that they didn't want to hear. So if you continue reading in Acts, just after this, they drag him out of the city. They're that angry at what they're hearing, and they stone him to death. But before they got the opportunity to, tell, to do that, he told them that the problem is your unbelief. That's why you won't see the Spirit working in your life. You've got a lack of faith. What he is saying is they are so focused on the rationale, on what they can understand, that they wipe everything that they do not understand off the table. We are so caught up in the 21st century and things we can figure out and science and, and how things make sense that we're like, I know how water flows from this side to that side. So there's no way I'm going to accept that something different can happen through this pipe. So I'm just wiping it off the table. Let me tell you something. God is not limited by our science. God is not limited by our laws of nature because He created them. He's above them. He can do whatever He wants. You can have illness in your life. He can heal it, even if doctors say it's incurable. My mom has had, I don't know which term to use, an incurable lung disease. 
It's a form of genetic asthma that hardens her lungs, the bags of the lungs. So her lungs cannot move in and out anymore. She was at 40% lung capacity. No, 50%, I think. They said at 40%, she will be on permanent oxygen. There's nothing they can do for it. The only thing they can try and do is to maintain her at that level through all kinds of medicine. We prayed for her, and this was my prayer. I'm like, God, if it's time for my mom to go home, because she knows you, then take her without suffering. Because it's hard to not breathe. I've got asthma. I know what it feels like. And I said, but my heart's desire, that's what James tells us, bring your heart's desire to God, is that she will be healed. Because if the doctor says it's uncurable, my God can still say it is curable. And if it's in heaven, I'm fine with that. But my preference is God healer here on earth. She went back to the same doctor. This is his words. I cannot describe what happened except to say it's a miracle because your lung function is sitting at 80-something percent. And she's still going. You see, but the moment we say, God, I know how things work, rationally, this doesn't make sense. Rationally, sick people don't just get healthy. Dead people don't just rise. Rationally, someone who doesn't have a gift of giving doesn't just start giving. Or someone who's shy to speak in front of people doesn't start preaching. That stuff doesn't happen. The moment we start thinking like that, our lack of faith in God's ability to do more than we can imagine diminishes what God's Spirit wants to do through me. We resist the Spirit simply because we cannot believe that He can do the miraculous through ordinary people. We have to get to a place where we start believing again that although I'm ordinary, although I am with faults and mistakes, He can do amazing things through my life. He's like, let's, let's start taking all these things, and I won't even get to that paper that I shoved in there, but let's start taking that out. Let's start believing that He can do the miraculous. The second issue that we have, the second thing that quenches the work of the Spirit, we read about in Galatians 5, where Paul again writes to the Galatian church, there's still there's issues in the New Testament church. It's not just a 21st century issue, okay? Let's hear what he says. So I say, walk by the Spirit. So live in God's Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh, that is who you are, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So what do we do about the conflict? He says, you are not to do whatever you want. The second issue we have, the second thing that that quenches the Spirit, is continuous sin in our life. Every time we've got things in our life that separate us from God, and I've spoken about the sin, the Greek word is amartia. It means missing the mark, someone who would throw a spear at a target. If they miss that target, it's amartia. It's missing the mark. God has a mark for our lives, a goal. When we miss that mark, that is sin. So things that separate us from God, things that God says is wrong. Every time we do it, we start clogging pieces of paper, debris, whatever it might be, into the gutters of our lives. And we're like, God, why am I not seeing your spirit? And he's like, because you're blocking, you're quenching his work. Because you are not willing to give up what you enjoy so much, even though it's destroying you. Our sin is standing in direct opposition to the spirit. That's what Paul is saying. 
The Spirit wants what is beautiful and holy and praiseworthy worthy in our life, and we just want what we want. Jesus said these crazy hard words that still rock me every time I hear them. He said, if you are not for me, you're against me. And I'm like, Jesus, but what, what if I'm like kind of for you and kind of for other things? Jesus is like, it's a yes or a no. And this is why. Every yes is a no, and every no is a yes. Every time you say yes to something, when I say yes to meeting someone for dinner on a Wednesday evening, I'm saying no to spending time with my wife and my daughter during that same time period. You get what I'm saying? When you said yes to church this morning, you said no to something else that you could have done, sleeping late. When you said no to church this morning, you said yes do something else that you find more attractive, but that's not necessarily better for your life. Every yes is a no, and this is what we're hearing when we're saying yes to sin. It's not like, God, but I want your spirit to flow, and I want to continue with the sin in my life. It's like, no, saying yes to that is saying no to God's spirit flowing through us. When we do sin, we're saying no to the Spirit of God. And here's a couple of things. If you continue reading, we read 2 verse 17, but verse 19 and 20. I don't feel like I have to tell you what sin is. You need to hear what the Spirit is saying. But just in case you're not tuned in and you don't want to hear it, Paul gives you a list. And I'm not, I didn't, don't have it on the screen, but this is what he's saying in verse 19 to 20. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is what sin looks like, he said. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension. I don't even know what that word means. I have to go and Google Translate to Afrikaans. Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It's like every time you do this, you're taking another piece and you're just shoving it into that gutter of your life that the Holy Spirit was supposed to flow through. But it's like there's a th third reason why we don't, why it seems like load shedding, why we don't see the Spirit working. Just, just die, it's back. A third reason. Luke 11, verse 11 to 13. Because this is so beautiful. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? This is Jesus speaking. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, though they sin in your lives, if you then know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus is saying, if you ask my Father, He will give it to you. There's no reason when you ask for the Spirit for Him to give you something else. Because He's a good Father. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants His Spirit in your life. So the third reason why we quit, how we quench the work of the Spirit in our lives is contentment with the status quo. It's saying, God, I am okay with this pipe being clogged. I am okay with the church in the state it is in. I'm okay with the fact that the Christian church in the Western world is dying. And I include church in large parts of South Africa, in like middle class South Africa into that equation. I'm okay with that. I'm okay that we don't see the working of the Spirit. If you are okay with it, 
That is the way you will stay. We quench the work of the Holy Spirit by saying, I don't want anything more. Because you see, Jesus said, if you ask for more, guess what? He will give you. Thank you, one got it. We lack a deep desire to see the Spirit of God working powerfully in and through us. We come to church, we give our life to Jesus, we pray at once, we're like, God, heal someone, or God, work through me. And then five months later, I've never been to church again, I might have watched one online sermon. I'm like, God, where's your spirit? Didn't I ask you to work through me? Like, why is this person not being healed that I'm praying for? And God is, but like, I haven't heard from you in like five months. Where are you, my son? And then we're like, but I, I don't get it. The working of the Spirit is directly connected to building up of the body of Christ. We're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks. It's not just there for you to use on your own. And I've said this numerous times, Christianity is a private decision that you may make. It's a personal decision, but it's not a private thing. It's personal, but not private. It's corporate. The church is not you. The church is us gathered together. And the gifts of the Spirit was given to build this up. So if you're not part of this, you're happy with the status quo, you're not going to see more. You need to be part of this. You need, because that's what the Spirit was. Well, that's why gifts is gifts, so that the church can reach a broken world. Because we've given up on reaching the lost, we're not in need for the powerful working of the Spirit in our life. We can settle for what we have because we don't need to see more because we're not trying to see more people reach for Jesus. But once we really have that desire, that's when His Spirit will start working because it's like, now we're building the church. Now you need me. Now you, you said the status quo is not fine. So I want to tell you today, we are not in load shedding. The Spirit isn't on one day and off the next day. And the Spirit of God is definitely not dead and His gifts didn't cease. If they did, if cessationists are correct and the miraculous gifts did cease, my mom would have been dead today. I can't even tell you all the stories. My brother would have had steel pegs in his leg and would have had operation to fix ligaments in his leg after we were in a motorcycle accident and he crushed his heel. That actually happened. We prayed for him. He went to the doctor and he didn't need operation for his ligaments and he didn't need pens in his heel. My brother would have been walking with a limp today if it wasn't for that. An 18-month-old baby, when I was still a small boy in my dad's church, would have been dead today because she had very aggressive leukemia. But the church prayed for her and she was healed the next day. The Spirit is still alive and working. His gifts is still alive and working. And He wants to work through me and He wants to work through you. He wants to build his church. And all he's saying is stop quenching my work. We need a revival. And I cannot produce it and you cannot produce it, but God can through us. So let's stop. Let's start, stop quenching the work of him in our lives through a lack of faith, through sin that we don't want to break with, and through just being okay with nothing. I don't want to be okay with nothing. I want to see the miraculous. So what are you going to do this week? I've got three things to think about. 
Next week, we're going to continue this series and, and talk about, about the Holy Spirit. But you've got three things to think through this week, and I have to think through them. How have I been quenching the work of the Spirit? How have I been setting up the load-shedding schedule in my life? Through unbelief, through sin, and through contentment. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't want to be content with the status of your church, with the working of your spirit in my life at this moment. I want to see more. I want to see your church expand and grow and change this world. I want to see sick people healed. I want to see deaf people here. I want to see blind people see. I want to see people serving with the gifts and preaching and prophesying and, and people being hospitable and giving and every single gift in your word. I want to see it left out in your church. And I pray that we will not settle for less. Jesus, we're not we're not charismatic. We're not reformed. We're not anything. We are just your children. We don't want to hold on to a teaching just because it's a teaching of a church for years. We want to hold on to the truth of your word. And this morning we settle into the truth of your word and we pray, God, that you will give us more of your spirit that your spirit would work through us, that your spirit through us would change this community and change this city and change this country. I pray that you would reveal every piece of debris that's blocking the flow of you through our life, every sin that's in opposition with your spirit, every moment of unbelief we have, every moment that we don't want more. Bring it to light so that we can repent, that we can seek more. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.